And here comes Milwaukee Forbes, another three. Oh, no! <laughs> this is the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. We are back from our holiday hiatus. We hope all of you had a great holiday. Happy holidays to all of you and yours. I'm your host, LJ Cascon. I have Hot Take Harrison as usual. And then we have our very first member of the Kang Gang on the pod, Mr. Royal A. Shepard. We are so happy to have you on. We have a good amount to dissect this week, too, because as I said earlier, we took kind of last week off. In week in review, let's just say Miami went 4-0 on the, the Tankathon road trip that they had where they should win all four of those games against the Spurs, Thunder, blah, 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 all those teams that kind of suck. Uh, Tyler was very, very good on that road trip too. Um, Royal, I'll let you speak a little bit to Tyler later on. But Tyler had a very, very good performance, um, hitting daggers, scoring forty, or just shooting, tying what what seems every single Miami Heat white person has done is hit 10 threes in a game. Also, Mario Chalmers did it too. But they kicked off the homestand after that road trip with a, a very, very embarrassing dumpster fire loss to the Bulls, uh, a team that seemingly just hates each other all the way around, even though the Bulls then beat the Bucks last night too. So who knows what's happening with the Bulls? Uh, you had Halliburton drop a career high on them and then also hit 10 threes with them as well. And for whatever reason, everyone wanted to sag off of Halliburton right after the, the Heat played the Pacers previously and held him to one point. So if that's not the yin and yang of the Miami Heat season encapsulated in one performance, I don't know what is. Uh, they responded then with a shorthanded win against the equally confusing Timberwolves or no Jimmy and Bam. Tyler, again, did a very good job. Kyle, uh, as well, did show up um, in the box score, too. And then they, they wrap it up with a win over the horribly constructed Lakers in Jimmy and Bam's return. So I, I think we're just about caught up there with everything that we've missed. Um, any of those games that I mentioned uh, stand out to you guys, wins or losses? Harry, let's start with you. What game do you want to kind of fixate on? I'll talk about the game I was at and then kind of focus on the strangeness of this team. I was at the Pacers game Friday night. I unfortunately um, watched that buzzer beater. I was I was um, pretty close to, to seeing that uh, go down. So um, it was just kind of an unfortunate game. They, uh, they just seemed like they were playing from behind the whole time. The Pacers were shooting the lights out. And I don't know how they didn't make very simple adjustments in that game. You know, Halliburton was lighting us up. I think he ended up shooting 10 of 16 from threes, including the last one that was a game winner. And I understand that you go into a game just trying your stuff and seeing what happens, but you got to adjust at some point. Like you need to, you need to do ball denial. You need to make sure he's not the one that beats you. And I think everyone was especially frustrated with the end of that game because it seemed like a pretty simple coaching decision to not have Tyler and Kyle out there. Those are the two that's had the miscommunication on that play. Um, and obviously we try not to blame Spo too much because we've admitted that this roster construction is pretty uh, atrocious, but it just wasn't a good game from anyone. And, um, you know, when you need a stop, so essentially like I understand he doesn't like to switch back and forth and doesn't always have the timeout. When you need a stop and essentially it's like get a stop and the game's going to overtime. Tyler really can't be out there. He just has not shown that he's a good enough defender. And there's really no reason for Kyle to be out there because he's probably thinking about some kind of food or something, and he got distracted. He must have smelled some popcorn. Um, and so I, that was a frustrating game for me. The other thing in the trend you're kind of realizing, which which is a little weird, Kyle plays better when Jimmy or Bam 
is not out there. Like he just seems like he understands his role a bit better and then he needs to score and be a facilitator and his game's a bit better. And then the Heat are now, I believe, four and one without Lowry on the season. So, uh, you know, I know uh, Royal's been pushing it. A lot of us have been pushing it like Kyle off the bench or Kyle off the team is, is probably what's going to be better overall. Um, I'm not sure if they can get rid of Kyle um, this season, but just like trying to figure out his role where maybe he's not actually spending as many minutes with Jimmy and Bam might actually help some of the rotations here. And I just think that's kind of what we're realizing in these games. Um, Hero seems to be more confident when Kyle's not out there. The backcourt doesn't really work when they're together. And I really think they need to spend the next few months um, making some moves, getting some guys in here and really figuring out like how that backcourt works. And if Gabe and uh, Tyler are better together, then they're never going to bench Kyle because they're afraid, but just, I don't know, going around the league, seeing if a team is interested. There's been the weird rumors about, about Minnesota and maybe they want to get rid of D'Angelo Russell, or I know that, Dallas has inquired a few times about Lowry. I have no idea how real that is or what kind of moves they want to make to put some support around Luca. So just trying to figure out this heat season going forward and the off season, because I think we've all kind of admitted this is not necessarily a contender, but that's kind of what I'm looking at over the next few weeks and the games. I realize I went off on many tangents there. No, I love it when you go on the tangents, especially when um, neither Robinson is involved, but I'll, I'll get to Orlando Robinson a little bit later because I, I was right and I was wrong, but I'll, I'll hold off. I'll bite my tongue for now. But, yeah, I don't want to harp on Spo too much because, like you said, he did make the mistake of having Tyler out there too when you have a perfect substitution in Caleb sitting a couple feet from you on the bench. Uh, I don't know why that wasn't made. But then he followed up and he has – I'm stuck because, again, I don't want to harp on him too much because he has – He this isn't one of his coup de grace kind of coaching seasons so far. He's been – not mediocre, but he hasn't been Spo. You know, he hasn't been average Spo. And it's tough because this is probably the most difficult roster he's had to coach as just for, as far as a schematic standpoint and the way that all the, the pieces mesh since Hassan Whiteside was on the team and Eric Spolster was getting gray hair and pulling out his hair during every single timeout. It's tough to be in the position that he's in because the, like you said, Harry, too, the roster just doesn't meld, but they're doing what they can. And, and I forgot to mention this at the top of the show, too. It is cause for celebration because the Miami Heat seem like they're going to end 2022 with a positive record. So that's huge. We're one game over 500, boys. This is amazing. We we dream for times like this. But, uh, Royal, I want to go to you now. What would you feel? What would you see from Tyler Hero during these last couple games, too? To, to, uh, you feel good about him? You feeling good? Yeah, sure. I've seen a bunch of bullshit that people are going to overhype. Um, but uh, Harry kind of stole my thunder. The game I wanted to get to was the Indiana game because, of course, it was a bit egregious. Shout out to the boy George the Thunder from down under as LJ calls him. But, um, yeah, the, the Indiana game was kind of the game that stuck out to me most. But since he took that one and uh, went into great depth with it, I'll go into another game that involves Tyler Hero, that Houston Rockets game, uh, where he scored his career high and probably will be his career high for the rest of his career, 41 points. Um, I thought that that was interesting that we needed that type of effort from Tyler Hero in a game versus one of the absolute worst teams in the NBA to come out with a three-point victory. That, to me, is emblematic of what this team is, and this kind of goes into what you're talking to about Spo 
which is the general feel around this team, which is it's, it's a sense of apathy with everybody. Like nobody gives a shit. And at times I feel like Spo falls into that law, which is why this has kind of been one of his underwhelming seasons, I think is one of the words that you could have used. Like it's been underwhelming from Spo. We're, we're accustomed to him taking uh, talent deficient rosters and making them impactful and finding ways to win with those rosters. And it's just been extremely difficult for that to happen. But in, in terms of Tyler Hero, look, man, he's he's grown. I don't want to say similarly to Bam because Bam's mental shift has been exponentially more important for this team's direction than anything Tyler Hero could have done. But I, I can honestly say that despite all the criticisms that I have for him, I have appreciated the other steps, the outside steps that he's taken to improve his game. Shots not falling. He's finding a way to make assists, even though I still believe that he leaves his feet before he makes a decision. Uh, I think that it's nice to see that he's finding some success in that regard, being able to get other guys the ball when his shit's not falling, which is happening more frequently now uh, because he's missing everything. But last night is a prime example. He couldn't hit shit, and then uh, he ends up with uh, nine assists and one turnover. So that, to me, is a, it speaks to Tyler Hero's growth, and it's been, it's been helpful for the team in certain respects. But um, I'm pretty sure we got – more down the line on Tyler later. I'm going to specifically, yeah, in the, in the Minnesota game and the Lakers game last night too, which I want to, I want to get to, I'll get to the Minnesota game in a second. Um, Tyler. Yeah. And also the, the Oklahoma city game where I, I said it in the chat, I was, I was so close to just crucifying him for when he wove goodbye, like afterward, like, and you knew after he hit that shot, I, I, I'd, if I've seen it once, I've seen it a million times where you, you literally get a guy like, like shy, with a chance to, to go down and, and, and win the game. And it didn't happen, thankfully. But you don't do that, Tyler. You don't go down and talk your shit when there's still time left on the clock and in a one-possession game. You don't do that. Even though he was he was hitting. I mean, that's probably the last time we saw him hit like that. And then I know he did it in Houston. But since then, Tyler's really made his money passing the ball. And like I want to get to in the Minnesota game here, we'll jump to that. Because there are some important nuggets I specifically want to touch on in the Minnesota game that I'm upset that we weren't able to touch on earlier in the week. Um, mainly Orlando Robinson. Earlier on in the year, when we first even started recording the podcast, I think it was maybe on the first episode too when we were talking about depth pieces that this team had. I know George was high on Orlando Robinson. I wasn't. I said his hands were ass. I didn't like the way he saw the floor. I didn't like his game in general. I, I thought he had no touch around the basket at all. As the one represent, uh, representative of the Kang gang here, I would like to also shout out Kang Brian. Brian Young has been on the Orlando Robinson train since Summer League. <laughs> he believed that he should be in our starting lineup in some way, shape, fashion, or form. Now, see, that's the thing. Like, no disrespect. I, I just – I didn't see the vision. I don't, I don't like Orlando Robinson as a player, but then I have seen – it's like I've lowered my expectations so astronomically to what Dwayne Dedman has been. So now it's like, I rather have a handicapped person on the floor instead of Dwayne Dedman. And, and I, if that's Orlando Robinson, God bless him. I'm okay with that because we have seen what Dwayne Dedman is this year, just a walking, rotting corpse. And I've, I've had enough of it. So that's why I'm, 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 I'm leaning a little bit more on into Orlando Robinson's court because it can't be any worse than what Dwayne Dedman has been giving us. But in that Orlando Robinson game, it, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of him, but, he, he, he should cement himself as the new backup center behind Bam, even though I know Spo says positionless basketball, but that's the way he's been using Deadman and to spell Bam's minutes. You need to throw that out the window because 
they say Dwayne Dedman has plantar fasciitis. I've had that before. That keeps you out. You can't run really for a couple months. So I don't want to be facetious, but that's good news for us. <laughs> it's a couple months now that boy might be sitting on the bench. I'm okay with that. Uh, he had uh, Robinson had 15, nine and four. And it was basically Miami starting center role because yes, Jovic did technically start for them, but he only played 19 minutes and scored only nine points. Orlando played 27. So that's a good sign for future usage. At least we hope because, and then Max also showed life. He didn't really in that Lakers game, but he did for the first time in what feels like a calendar month. Max Struess did play well from a scoring perspective against the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, led all scorers in that game with 19, shot 50% from deep. Kyle nearly had a double-double with assists, exactly what you want from your quote-unquote point guard. That's what you want from uh, from Kyle. Again, they won without Jimmy and Bam out there, so Kyle was able to kind of facilitate a little more, take more of an offensive burden. Um, Tyler cooled off then, but this is what I really want to talk about Tyler, though. The scoring touch hasn't been there from the outside, but in that game, he shot 0 from 8 from 3, but 7 for 11 from inside the arc. That's a huge development from Tyler because we already touched on his passing ability has improved. If his shot wasn't there, especially in last year's playoffs, the dude would go kerplunk. You, you wouldn't see anything from him at all. I'm not, I, I cannot do myself a service and let you just give Tyler Hero all this praise without throwing in one caveat. Go for he was it. 0 for 8 from 3. Yes, he was 7 of 19. He shot zero free throws in that game. So, yeah, I I, I, want... you, you noticed I didn't say he was getting to the rim. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that that wasn't being lost yes. on the audience. Like, was a Tyler lot of Hero is not playing games. picture perfect 1960s basketball. He's still not amazing inside the paint, but he's scoring and impacting the game in other ways than just shooting threes. Harry, you wanted to touch on something? Yeah, two things I just wanted to touch on really quickly. Uh, I mentioned on the stream the other night that was hosted, uh, that was um, sponsored by Duke's Mayo. Um, I had I had mentioned that um, the stat line that Orlando Robinson had um, was only the fourth time that's ever happened in NBA history. The three other guys to have those stats: Bill Walton, Michael Brooks, and DeAndre Ayton. So it was like a an awesome game, and that's that's from um, Simon Sperling on Twitter. That's I mean, it was just an incredible game for him. And I think what people are kind of seeing from Orlando and what's really been worked in the heat system is you need a big that can roll to the basket, that can catch the ball and put put it in the hoop. Remember one of the um, greatest additions in heat history, Chris Birdman Anderson. He was just an energy big. He'd come in, set some good screens, roll to the basket. They'd hit him perfectly, dunk the ball. And that's that's kind of what you need. Um, we tried with guys that can't catch the ball, like Joel Anthony, you know, it's, you know no, no offense. Um, to guys like that, but you just need a guy that can catch the ball, keep the ball above his head and put it in. When he gets a rebound, not put it below, just go back up with it. That's really what Orlando Robinson can do. And I think a lot of the frustration with it was, like you mentioned, seeing Devin out there would be a negative 17 in, in three and a half minutes. And you were like, why didn't you like, why haven't they burned his uniform? Why haven't they found a way to make sure he can't play? Um, you know, you put holes in his shoes, whatever needs to happen so that he can't be out there. Um, and honestly, the team should have done that. Udonis Haslam, of all people, should be should be doing that. He would know as someone who shouldn't be playing. Um, and the other thing is, and you guys are kind of mentioning Tyler, um, last night against the Lakers, that was Tyler's, I believe it was his 10th game with nine or more assists. So he's really has become more of a playmaker. That was a part of his game that he had to unlock because the shot is not always going to be there. And kind of like Royal was mentioning, 
he still hasn't made that leap to getting into the paint and getting to the line um, enough and efficiently and effectively. So that's probably the next part of his game he really needs to work on. But yeah, so if the shot's not falling, if the three's not going in, if he's shooting 0 for 8, which um, you know is, is pretty bad, we need him to be able to pass and get other guys open. And he's really the only guy that is consistently looking for Bam on the roll, which is insane because Bam's amazing at that. But that really is kind of what he's helped to unlock this year. Um, and hopefully that continues. I understand we all have differences about what we want from here and how much longer we want him as a part of our team. But um, while he's here, while he's here, no more need, Harrison, no more while he's here, we need him to succeed. Um, even if the ultimate move is to uh, move on from him, we need him to play well so that he, he is the, the trade piece and the trade asset that we need him to be. And I think that's kind of what you've seen over the last few weeks. We got our backup big on Orlando. For me, he should be the emergency big. I still think we need to, to get another backup big, another guy. Just We've already seen it. They were – I don't know why, but they were highly depending on Yurt this year. He goes down with a, you know an ankle injury that requires surgery. Um, Orlando should be the third guy, and you trust him if you need 10 minutes from him, but he, you know, he doesn't need to be the main guy. And I, I am impressed – um, with Hero this year, but I'm telling you guys, and I've said this for years now, the regular season doesn't mean a lot to me. He had a great regular season last year. That's why he won six man of the year. I really need to see it in the postseason. So if they're trapping him, if they're double teaming him, and we have more of what we saw last year, um, even before he went down with the injury, we're going to be in trouble uh, regardless. So you just hope that these this growth and this small incremental you know, him getting a bit better is going to show up when it matters in April and May. And I think June. mainly in that Philly series last year when Tyler just couldn't do anything because they were like honing in on him specifically. If you got, and this is, we're all speaking in hypotheticals when you just talk about what to expect from Miami Heat basketball or, or sports in general, they're all just hypotheticals until you actually see it be done. But if you, if you get this Tyler in the playoffs this year, if the Heat even make the playoffs this year, then you, you would like to expect that the way that Philly threw the defense at him, that wouldn't agitate him as much. And I don't even want to talk about Dion Wright in Atlanta. We're not even going to get into that because that that's a shit show in and of itself. But I, LJ, like I kind of disagree with what you're just saying. Like if they're trapping him, then he's not like it, what he's doing now is not kind of like making plays. He's making plays out of the pick and roll where he's kind of getting downhill a little bit and, you know, he's finding guys in the corner or he's finding Bam. It's not actually anybody trying to, like, get the ball out of his hands and seeing whether or not he can be effective as of yet, which is what they did to him in the playoffs. That is kind of where I would like to see the adjustment to Harry's point is when he gets to the playoffs, when people are trying to get the ball out of his hands early, like, is he going to find ways to be effective when his shot isn't falling still? And that is uh, that that's kind of where the judgment of who Tyler Hero is as a player and what he can become is going to start. I did want to chime in very quickly on the Orlando Robinson thing. Detman has set the bar so damn low that people are actually looking at Orlando Robinson as a legitimate backup option. Last night in nine minutes, he was a minus 10. <laughs> so he's trending in a similar fashion. He had zero he had points. A, yeah, zero points. He had a great game against Gobert because that is trash. Okay. Gobert is trash. But in the grand scheme of things, to Harry's point, Orlando Robinson should be an emergency big because he's not yet ready to be a consistent backup big for anybody, let alone the Miami Heat. 
I definitely think that they still need to, and Harry, you can speak to this too, if you have like someone in mind specifically, but I, just to quickly interject, I, I think they still need a stretch for like, that's literally what you need. Not a, not John Collins, a John Collins type is basically what they need to, to use as a backup five in just in case anything happens to Bam. Yeah. And I was actually going to make, I thought, um, I think Royal was being serious with his tweet the other day and it could be a joke and it's fine. But like, if a team comes calling for Orlando Robinson, like you sign him to a contract and you trade him the next day. Like there's just not, I was, I was being serious. I was being okay. Serious. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not these again. I've, I don't know why this is such a hard concept for people, but um, the heat will find other guys. Like they continue to find undrafted free agent guys that work. So to pretend like it's not going to happen or like the well's going to suddenly drop. I mean, you got to get uh, in the Heat's front office. He's excellent at finding these guys. So um, it's going to continue to happen. If a team's like, man, that Orlando Robinson game stat was amazing. I think he's the next, you know, Bill Walton, which obviously he's not. But let's just say someone says, like, you move him, whatever, you, whatever they're offering. Like, great. Because to hold on to these guys, to sign them to a contract, then for them to not live up to that contract, and then have to try to move that is much more difficult. I know people make fun of me all the time. They make the jokes, oh, we should trade him for second round picks. Like we should do that. That's how, that's how asset management works. So I understand you guys are being funny. It's it's not funny because it's the truth. Um, you should learn the game and figure it out. Um, but we need to be doing that. The other thing is, um, yeah, the heat, if if they're if they're gonna if they're gonna compete, if they're gonna be buyers, which we we all we we don't we don't want them to give up any massive assets um, over the next two months before the trade deadline. But if they're going to be buying guys, they essentially need two wings. A stretch one would be a stretch four, like you said, LJ, and a backup bid. Those guys have to take the minutes of Struess, who's really been struggling, and the the horrific combination of the Duncan uh, Haywood Highsmith whatever. Um, it would actually be good if you could somehow mold those together. If we can somehow fuse those guys, that would probably be an okay player. But the problem is they're two separate guys who each stink on one end of the floor. So we need other wings that can defend and shoot and not be those guys. That's what the Heat need to find. And they need to bargain hunt. There's no reason for them to go all in this year. I think there's a lot trending against them. Um, and they just – able to look out there, look at the landscape of the league, find the teams that maybe are starting to think about tanking. They're obviously, Wemby and Scoot are are going to be – they look like they're going to be great prospects in the NBA next year. You need to try and pluck some guys cheaply off these teams that, that you can plug in and help you if that's, if that's the direction the Heat want to go. Um, but that's kind of where I'm looking too, like – a guy that can play next to Bam, and you should be looking long term. This is now Bam's sixth season. They have not found one guy um, that can stay there and play next to him. Every year, it's a revolving door. And you know, while we all we appreciate PG contribution next year, we can't really have thirty-seven year old guys in there next to Bam. We should find a young counterpart that works in the front court with him. And that's really what they need to do. That's what they need to spend the next two months doing. I, I don't want to read any more tweets about. Duncan's figured it out and he and he's doing what well. like I don't I don't want to read this. I don't know why we do this to ourselves. And I'm I'm disgusted by you. I am disgusted by you if you're tweeting that. Um, you can take it however you want. There's something wrong with you. Um, the you are coping to a level where I've never seen. And 
you need to get over yourself. It's, it's gross. Your family's not happy with you. Um, your spouse or significant other is not interested in hearing your garbage. And we need to all move on. I understand his contract might be difficult to trade. Um, I'm definitely not willing to give up a asset to get rid of him. But if a stupid team calls and they're like, wow, Duncan's been playing well, I, I would love that tall white man on my team. You do it. You don't even think about it. You don't even um, – it shouldn't be any – there shouldn't even be contemplation. You should just hit the yes, we accept trade button and do it because um, this man has ruined my heat-watching experience. I don't like watching him. I don't enjoy watching him. I, I used to root for him and hope that he would do well simply because we needed to trade him. I just don't want him anywhere near my team. Um, I get Agita when he's on the court. And he makes me sick. So if you're defending him at this point, uh, we're done. I'm tired of you too. And um, I think that's all I need to say. We need to get rid of those guys and figure it out. Harrison, I don't think we can move forward as a network until Duncan is off this team because you're just going to continuously break it up. <laughs> I was actually about to ask Harry what his weekly thoughts on Duncan were, but I'm glad we got that out of the way. We don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> we're doing great right now. Thank you, Harry. You read my mind, honestly, every week. It it's incredible every single time. But, yeah, no, I. To, before we get back on track, Harry, yeah, I, I do see that people come after you with the jokes of, oh, Trojan for a second-round pick. I feel like that's natural, though. That, that's a natural coping mechanism when you've been burned as many times as you specifically have against players like Duncan Robinson where you give them a big contract and then they just they poop the bed every single time. Also, it's it, – you know what? No, never mind. It's fine. It's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll get along. We'll, we'll, we'll get back on track here. Recapping from the Lakers game this is the most recent one. We, I don't, we obviously did the stream last night too about it. I have a guy that we haven't even spoke about on the, during our 25 minute live here is Jimmy Butler. Last night, Jimmy came back. Jimmy was Jimmy. I feel like I say that every time I talk about him, anytime I'm asked how I felt about Jimmy's performance, Jimmy was Jimmy. You kind of know what you're going to get. And that's kind of contradictive too, because sometimes he'll take a little bit of a backseat during the regular season, but in a game that the heat need, you know what Jimmy Butler you're going to get at this stage. I know that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the, the Tibbs minutes, he takes times off, blah, blah, blah. Who, who gives a shit? You know what you're going to get from Jimmy every single time he's on the court. And we've been so spoiled to go from Wade to Jimmy, to have someone that you can just rely on. The, the Heat offense sputtered in the fourth quarter again against the Lakers. You thought that they were going to come all the way back. The Heat were up by 22 late in the third quarter, and then it got down to seven. It it's almost like clockwork when a team going against Miami misses two free throws and they get the offensive rebound. You can basically check it off that they're about to hit a three and Schroeder hit the three. And then it's a seven point game. What do you need? Jimmy goes to work. Then he finds Tyler for a three where Tyler finally hit an open three. It was miraculous. It's kind of just what you expect. Jimmy saved them again in the fourth quarter. Bam had a good game. Bam had a good game. I don't want to harp on Bam. He played equally impressive with no AD. He went at whoever – Juan, blah, 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 Andrew, whatever the hell that dude's name is, number 95. I know he was in the dunk contest last year. I remember because I bet on him and I lost. But that's not Juan Toscano Anderson. That fucker. Yeah, him. Like, <laughs> he was, Bam was going at him early and often. It was fine because that's where he got most of his work. Tyler was lobbing to Bam too. It was great. Then in the fourth quarter, Bam didn't really do anything either. And Juan was on the floor. And they just, Bam wasn't really going at him. So that, that kind of irritated me a little bit, but still Bam finished with 23 and 14. 
took advantage of matchups in the first three quarters. We need to kind of progressively get to doing that in the fourth quarter when the offense completely stalls and falls off a cliff, with which kind of seems inevitable in some games. It was a problem last year when they were the one seed. It's still a problem this year, despite them having a plus 500 record. Um, Tyler didn't shoot great again, but as we said earlier, nine assists. He continues to find ways to impact. But And yet the main thing that I wanted to see from Tyler this season was just improving and hitting different guys. And to your point too, uh, Royal, yeah, they, they haven't been throwing double teams at him. What I meant earlier though was kind of just speaking on his mindset of he's looking to pass two instead of scoring when it's not working for him. So I've liked what I've seen there. Harry, we'll jump right. Actually, no, we'll go to you, Royal, because Harry had his hey. tangent about Robinson. We're not going to – I wanted to ask him about Orlando Robinson now in that game, but I don't want to even say Robinson to Harry right now. But I'm gonna I'm gonna relieve you of the hosting duties as I tend to do on this network. Go ahead. Is, is he though? Is, is Tyler Hero really looking to pass the ball, or is he being forced to pass the ball? Because a lot of times, it's like I said earlier, t- Tyler Hero goes up into the air with no plan. Like he leaves his feet with no plan, and a lot of those passes are like last second, last ditch efforts to get the ball out of his hands. Or a lot of times, you see him dribble the ball for a couple of seconds, and then it's a quick pass to someone else with three seconds on the shot clock. So it's like, is this a conscious effort of from Tyler Hero to get like other people involved or is they're just happening by happenstance? I respect the narrative. I respect the narrative regardless. I, I think it's a bit of both. I think both can be true. I'm not a contrarian, but I think both can be true. He definitely leaves his feet without having an idea of what he's going to do way too often, but his decision making on those passes are at least good most of the time. And that's what you want when a player is trying to fight through, you know, a bad habit of leaving his feet before he makes a decision. As long as the result is there, I mean, I guess you can make the argument too, is like he's not going to learn from it because it's working for him. But at the same time, I mean, I believe in the coaching staff of the Miami Heat to maybe, maybe buff out those scratches on Tyler's game eventually. But sure. I like that. I like that. I think one of the more pleasing moments for me was when he got called for a travel on it, like when he <laughs> went up in the air and his foot hit the ground before he passed the ball. That could be one of the greatest teachers. In terms of, like, the way he played yesterday, sure, listen, you like to see nine assists from Tyler Hero. Anytime that Tyler Hero is getting assists when his shot is not falling is a good thing for the Miami Heat. I want to make sure that's perfectly clear. I just, I just wish that he was able to add that to the part of his game where he's supposed to be the most effective, which is his scoring. I I haven't seen very many games where Tyler has been able to put it all together this year, where it's like the scoring's working for him, the passing's working for him. And, you know, he is an above average rebounder. He got four of them last night, but the rebounds are also working for him. And I think that's kind of what it is. Like from night to night, I don't know which version of Tyler I'm going to get. Am I going to get shitty shooting Tyler who gets me a bunch of assists Am I going to get Tyler who wants to score 41 points, but also is not passing the ball at all? Am I going to get difficult shot making Tyler? Am I going to get difficult shot missing Tyler? Like that, that's kind of where, where I am with, I want to see a game or a stretch of games where Tyler is putting all of his game together and it's effective, it's efficient and it's help it's leading to wins. And I want to do that before I kind of give him the level of adulation that I've seen going around on him based off of a couple of things. Go ahead, Eric. But so I, I so I think that is the like the enigma, the issue with Tyler Hero, right? The things you're talking about, the slow gro- the slow growth and the way that he's working on different aspects of his game. That's what you expect from a young player. The problem is that the Heat need Tyler to be a 26, 27 year old player, a vet, and he's 22. And so that's a lot of the issues when you talk about 
when people talk about timelines and which window do you want and like that's the problem right hero's a good player um i think he'll have a good nba career does he do what you need now for the heat to win and the answer might be no like it or or it's not of what he does now for them to compete right so you're saying man it would be nice if he can combine the rebounding with the efficient scoring with the great playmaking and you see it it kind of he he does what he needs to do when it's needed at, at he hasn't been able to put it all together and they need that for the postseason they need that to unlock everybody else on the team and i just don't know um if that's going to happen for him over you know the next couple of years and i think that's why people are like are they willing to wait they're not see your, t- see your timeline they're, they're gonna, point, they, they, yeah to your timeline point uh it's like if we were working on bam's timeline then i would be I'll be just fine with where Tyler Hero is in his development because that both of them need time to grow together into whatever they're going to become. But when it's, it's the, the problem comes for me is when you put it in, we're in a championship window right now. And it's exactly like you're saying Tyler Hero, 28 year old Tyler Hero is the player that we need. Like 22 year old Tyler Hero ain't going to get the job done. So I'm trading him every opportunity that I get. And I'm sorry for cutting you off. So I want to let you finish your point. No, I think. I think we've talked about that, right? It's why, like, it's why the playoff struggles are frustrating because you can have a guy who had an, who had a great season last year as a six man as a twenty one year old, and you're like, it's just not, it's not. So what's interesting is, and that's why I mention a lot. Like, I think a big reason why they signed him to the extension is that he's trade eligible without any restrictions on July first on his new deal. Uh, I think that's a big reason why they did that is that they are going to look at the landscape depending on what happens this year and figure out is Tyler enough um, based on the skill sets he has now, or are we waiting for a guy five years down the road? And if we're still building around Jimmy and think like he has a season or two to be elite, or we want to get, you know, we want to, we want Bam to lead us to the promised land. I think they'll look into moves for him. And it's not, it's not a, it's not, but for me, it's not like, I don't, I don't dislike Tyler Hero. I like watching him play. I, I've enjoyed watching him uh, get better every year. But I agree with you. Like, what are, what's this team really telling themselves if he needs to be their third best player and he's just not there yet, especially um, when the teams are game planning for what he does? And I just think that's kind of where we are. We're in this, like, you know, it's just kind of a, a tough, a tough area as a fan where we're trying to figure out, like, we're still trying to build around Jimmy. He's And I, you brought up a good point, LJ. I don't care what anyone says. Jimmy's one of the best players in the league. He's elite. The the scoring and his shooting percentage this year is unbelievable. And that's crazy for a guy who doesn't shoot the three well and you know does not rely on his jumper as much as other superstars in the league. When the problem you fact, is that you're only getting 60 games of that this year. That okay, uh, so that, uh, From now on. So that, that's also a problem, too, because – the Heat need him to play this year because they stink without him. And in addition to that, if you look at the standings, the Heat are six right now. If we end up with a first-round matchup against Milwaukee again, I don't know about being swept, but we are we're, we're winning one game, maybe, maybe, maybe. That's we're not, and we're not, and I'm saying so. You're losing. So if if it's, if a first-round exit is really the goal, which is not for anybody, any Heat fan, any Heat organization. They need to really figure this out, and that's why I'm talking about making moves to figure out next year because. If if it's you know if they're a, if they're a five seed or a six seed and they get a tough first round matchup and they're done or they or they somehow survive and lose in the second like 
No one's going to be happy with that, and they need to figure out which direction they're going. And I would like to figure it out now. And set and you could set up more offseason moves, obviously. I, I would guarantee Kyle's gone in the offseason, but set it up now. Get some guys in that make sense. Uh, work with the team. See what you can do. Get more wings, defensive guys that can shoot. Get new shooters. All these shooters, are, I've said my piece on the shooting. Um, yes, you have. And I do because to sit here and be like, we're three games Wait. out of three. We're one game over 500. We're fighting. Everyone's been Harry. injured. It's garbage. Harry, we talked about it last night on the, on the post-game show, but I think that we're getting to a point where the Heat are moving away from shooters. And I kind of want to give the reins back to LJ because me and you have been going off for a second. Uh, and he can get us back on track. But I, I feel like the Miami Heat are trending. Like with Gabe coming back, I feel like they're trending towards less of the specialists and more towards the generalist. So you got Gabe as a guy who can do multiple things. He's going to eat into some of those max minutes. Duncan's minutes are already skeptical to begin with. And then you have Vic, who's also, you know, even though he's been terrible on offense, he's been elite, one of the best defenders in the league in terms of that perimeter. That's a skill set that we need. So you're going to lean more on those two guys who can provide a little something on both ends as opposed to the specialists who can only provide something on one end. And I think that's kind of the way I've seen Miami trending. So we might be getting them out of the rotation anyway. To put kind of a bow on it, on the whole topic, too, of what Harry was talking about as far as trades, we've spoken about that ad nauseum on this show, specifically last week's episode, if you guys want to go back and listen to it, where we offered solutions for, like, quick fix solutions, me and Harry specifically, where we were saying, you can get this thing right back on the railroads in a year. By at the start of next season, you can be fine. There are options to have. And another, to your point, too, Royal, of wanting to see more consistently from Tyler of a more, like, generalization of his game, I... I I think I'm more lenient on him just because I'm at peace with the fact that he's just not that guy right now. And maybe, that, maybe that's just a testament to how I view it. And maybe that's not fair to him. Maybe it is. I don't know. But I, I don't expect those completely well-rounded games, even though his contract kind of contradicts that. His contract does kind of say you want he's expected to do those things consistently in all these different facets of his game. Even though, again, like you said, 28-year-old Tyler Hero probably does do that. I do want a quick thing, though. I do want to give Tyler Hero the same grace that I gave Bam Adebayo in the first year after he got his extension. That money doesn't kick in until next year. So I do keep my expectations for Tyler Hero relative. Like next year, my expectations for Tyler Hero are going to be outrageous. There's nothing that he's going to be able to do to please me. And I know that now because he's not going to be the player that's worth $30 million. But I do believe that he grows into a $30 million player over the course of time. It's just not going to be that the first year that he's getting paid $30 million. So I, agree. I have already been unbearable on the Tyler Hero thing. It's going to get worse next year. He's making that much money. You think he's on the team next year? Yeah, I do. I I, I don't think they move him. Uh, I, I know Kyle Lowry is probably not going to be here. Um, I'm expecting probably Max to be off of the roster. Deadman, Vic, gone. Um, I think Caleb's going to end up being a casualty. He's going to be somebody who I want to keep, who we're going to have to lose. Um, but, yeah, I think Tyler – Tyler, Bam, and Jimmy, <laughs> like those, they're going to try it one more time with those three before uh, they kind of figure out the next path for this team. To get slightly back on track now, just as far from uh, realizing how good we do have it, um, they, it could be worse. We could be the Los Angeles Lakers because my biggest takeaway from last night's game was not from the Miami Heat side. It was that Russ and, and Beverly are just horrible. They're horrendous. I know Russ took a cheap shot at Tyler at the end of the game too, and Tyler was trying to dribble out the ball. Russ came over and tried to get a quick steal on him. I was like, you son of a bitch. He's trying to pad his stats because 
I, when the game's actually live, Russ ain't doing much to benefit his stats. I mean, he's, he's chucking up brick after brick. I, I just – I don't know what to make about Russell Westbrook's game. And the fall-off that he's had is just incredible. Beverly was never amazing. You kind of always knew what you were getting from Bev. But I know in that fourth quarter when the Heat's offense stalled, and I was never really afraid even once when it got down to seven because I was like, who the hell is going to hit a three? LeBron is doing half-ass passes to get into the post. Uh, you have – what do you call it? Schroeder, I guess, would be the one to hit the three. Beverly and Russ getting wide open looks against other teams that will kill you against the Lakers. You're who gives a shit. They're not going to hit the three. And then Russ hit one over the backboard. Beverly like airballed a floater or something. It was, it was peak Los Angeles Lakers basketball. Um, I want to say that I feel bad for LaBabble, but I don't because it's, it's like going to subway and getting mad at the sandwich. You made it. You picked it. You picked the stuff that's going on it. How are you going to be mad? LeBron built the team. He, he's talking about how he he only wants to play basketball to complete compete for championships. That construction of your roster says otherwise. So I, I just I don't I don't know. All I do know is that the Lakers find hilarious ways to make the game of basketball complicated. But our sponsor does the exact opposite for insurance. With Simple Health Advisors, our main man James Poe, primary sponsor of the basement, Simple Health Advisors insurance doesn't need to be complicated. Like I said. Email them or give them a call today and tell them that the basement sent you. You can email James Poe at James J Poe at simplehealthadvisors.com or you can give them a little ring on the telly, 321-345-7738. And now we get back. It, it's trade time. It is trade time. And Pat Riley has also entered the chat, seemingly fittingly, that Aunt, aka Pat Riley, would join us for our first trade segment, official trade segment of the day. Trey Young. I wanted to, I, I, a lot of people were going crazy on it and I wanted to talk about it last week, but then we, we wound up doing, not doing a show for the holidays. I'll, I want to entertain the idea for a few, just because he's been a popular name on heat Twitter and it was real by Chris Haynes that he may want out. I don't know how necessarily true that is. It's obviously not this season. It's if they flounder in the playoffs again, that might be something that is, they discuss in the off season. Um, a top five offensive talent in the league, no doubt, right? Like I'm not going to get any pushback from that. Trey Young's a top five offensive dude in the league. Just speaking offense. But then you look on the other side, he is a bottom five defender in the league. Again, I don't think I'll get any pushback. I think I might be being generous saying top five or bottom five defense without just calling him the worst. Because he he might be the the worst worst defensive player in the NBA. Not just because of his height, his life. Like James Harden might be a better defender than Trey Young. That's saying a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. I personally don't like Young's game at all just for me i know it's effective and it works because he's putting up numbers and he did carry that hawks team that injured hawks team to the eastern conference finals what two years ago and he twitter destroys tyler all the time though for his lapses on defense so just imagine what they're going to do uh to trey young if the heat gave up everything and all emptied out all the picks all everything traded away all the the, the depth even though the depth ain't really doing him much this year for trey young so i want to go around the horn here royal we'll start with you real quick What's your take on Trey Young? Do you, do you like the fit? Do you think it's worth giving up all that? And do you think it would really move the needle? So Trey Young would make Bam Adebayo Amari Stoudemire. <laughs> I want to make I want to put that out the gate. Like he would make him Amari Stoudemire. It'd be the Phoenix Suns 2.0 uh, running around. But Bam is also an infinitely better defender than Amari Stoudemire ever hoped he would be. So Trey Young's deficiencies on defense will be masked by Spo and the litany of undrafted role players that Spo will put around. Hey, Jimmy and Bam, uh, the Haywood Highsmiths of the world would be out there locking things up 
you'll be able to hide Trey a little bit. The offensive fit is seamless. Trey Young is a one-man offense. That's just the reality of the situation. Put him on a team with Jimmy and Bam, and this team will skyrocket offensively. I I don't know if there's a bad fit for them, like in this scenario. Like I I hate Trey Young's defense. He is the worst defender I've ever seen in my life. Um, but like I don't care. I'm I'm trotting out Kyle Lowry and Tyler Hero right now. Like he's a better version of Tyler Hero in a smaller package. Somebody who can dribble the air out of the basketball, but can shoot threes. He can get to the rim. <laughs> like he he's a great offensive player. And that is what this team sorely lacks. It lacks an offensive presence of that magnitude. He's the type of one A offensive player that will pick per- that will fit perfectly next to Jimmy. I think Bam will be a perfect third compliment to them because Trey Young makes him infinitely more effective, especially off of the pick and roll, um, because he's a live ball threat off the dribble and he's live to get to the rim. So he he gives us kind of what we want in terms of an offensive package. But again, that defense. My God, like it is if for a team that prides themselves on defense, I can understand how difficult it would be for this front office to part with everything for a player that that is a known liability on that end of the ball. So I don't expect Miami to make any moves on that, especially with a divisional opponent as well, like a division rival. Like you not I don't expect them to be able to help them in any regard. But if there was an opportunity for us to get Trey Young, I think I'd take a flyer on it because I know what he is offensively. I know how dynamic he is. I've seen him perform in the playoffs as, as somebody who's getting the bulk of the attention and excel. And I think that he would unlock several parts of Bam's game that we have yet to be, be you know, privy to. So I, I like Trey Young, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think that's fair too, that it's, it's it's probably just it, it's moot to even have the conversation, but people were talking about it ad nauseum again all over Twitter last week. So it was like, you have to at least you got to drop a little crumbs here and there, you know. But my only gripe, really, just before I toss it over to Harry, my only gripe though for from Trey Young, and you touched on it too, Royal, with his defense, but saying that the they would mask him, I only think you can do so much because as we've seen this year, Spo loves to switch. Spo's always loved to switch, and you've seen him do it this year specifically when he doesn't have the bodies to do it. Spo's still going to try to do it. And you saw it the other night against the Bulls when they had Haywood, Shameless, Highsmith guarding Nikola Vucevic from like right outside the paint. Like that's a, almost a foot difference, and you're sitting there trying to like. Oh, L- that LJ, it's gonna get nasty when we get that switch for Trey Young on Jokic. <laughs> it's gonna get nasty out here with the Heat because Bam out down the perimeter guard Jamal Murray. Oh, uh, it's gonna get dastardly, bro. I, I would have to get some kind of carpenter or something from my house for all the holes in the wall I would have. It's like I would be bashing my head through the walls every single game because Trey Young's ending up guarding the opposing team's five. But Harry, what about you? I know, I know I've seen I've seen on Twitter too. You're not you're, you've been a little vocal that you're, you're not a huge fan of the fit. All right, so three reasons why this would not work at all. First of all, you just kind of mentioned it. Um, the defense is that bad. We've we always talk about trying to hide Hero and the other guys that struggle. Um, defensively on this team you would need so many athletic drafted would need drafted wings and the heat cannot do that they have an undrafted free agent obsession they need to go to re- and they they have yet to get the help that they that they seek and that they need uh, so regardless of Trey's fit offensively I agree with Royal that it, that it would definitely work with this team and with Spo and with Bam and Jimmy I, just his deep. I don't think you can cover it the way people are like you. You can. I don't think you can. So you mentioned that 
I agree with you. Number two, the Heat embarrassed this man so thoroughly in the postseason that he has yet to recover. I I am unfortunately a Trey Young owner in fantasy basketball. It has not been wonderful. Um, he is not having a great year. He has not been consistent. He is not shooting that well. He is having what we call, I believe it's um, PTSD from the Heat postseason. He tough, tough time. Um, they not only stole his lunch money, they emptied his bank account. <clears throat> they stole all of his assets. He has nothing left. Um, the bag is empty. It, it's just blowing in the wind. He has nothing left. I don't know what they did to him or what they whispered in his ear while they were completely destroying him, but I think I think he's toast. Um, and the other thing I would kind of mention is I really don't think Atlanta is going to look to trade him right now. Uh, I think they're going to fire the coach and I think they're going to try to figure out and make it work with him. My last point and the only thing, cause that was kind of two and a half, um, the heat, listen, we talk about this a lot. The heat do not have enough to pull off a trade like that. Um, if you put Trey young on the open market, um, I always mention the Knicks cause they do something stupid, even though that would be, that would be hilarious to see Knicks fans try to try to rally behind Trey young after what he's, he did to them a couple of postseasons ago. And that's, he's, he's always, um, kicking their ass and they would welcome him with open arms i know i know they would very quickly (laughs) new york fans are shameless a trey young jalen brunson backcourt i think i think brunson might be involved in that deal but um yeah so i i'm just not i'm that's not where if if you were like we can empty the chamber and we talked about in the offseason like doing it for a guy like donovan mitchell Made a lot of sense. Um, doing it for a guy like Trey Young does not make a ton of sense to me. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out. All right, go, we're, we'll switch to Shark Tank. So you heard the pitch, Pat Riley. What, what do you think? Thoughts on Trey? Yeah, yeah. So I definitely agree with Harry on one thing, meaning that the Hawks would not trade him. They just sent away their entire future to get Dejounte Murray. That's something that they're going to want to see out for at least a few years and see if they can get some more pieces in there to kind of build around that core. But I do disagree with Harry when he started going on saying that Trey Young has regressed a lot. I personally believe a lot of that is because of the fit with DeJounte Murray. When they traded for him, I said that fit is terrible. You have two guys who I believe need the ball in their hands. And yeah, Trey could shoot, but he doesn't, he wasn't necessarily brought up in this scheme to be an off ball shooter. And obviously DeJounte Murray is not the best shooter either. So he's not great off ball either. So I think the fit is terrible. I think that's the reason we've seen a regression from Trey Young and a reason that we've seen the Hawks be pretty much in the same exact spot that they were last year at this exact time. As far as his fit here, I pretty much exactly agree with every single thing Royal said, surprisingly. Uh, one thing that wasn't mentioned, because uh, we obviously all talk about his defense, is I think we're underrating how much his defense would be improved if he was here not only because of the guys around him, which was discussed, but just because the Heat force you to buy into defense, which is 100% not something that Trey Young has ever been in his life. He's never had a coach or been in an organization that has pride defense first and said, if you don't play defense, you will not get on the court. I mean, we, we even see Tyler Hero as bad as he is, as bad as Duncan is. He's out there trying, you know, and because that's something that, that's something that uh, the Heat pride, I see you said, see Duncan Robinson, but, He's trying, except when he was running away from LeBron yesterday. But most of the time, he's out there getting four fouls in three minutes because he's out there trying. So I think just Trey being in this system, under this coach, under this leadership, he would be a better defender, which is still terrible. 
but you know maybe not worse in the league and of course you guys already spoke on how he'd be around other guys who can help him out whether it's undrafted guys like a Jamal Kane or even a Marcus Garrett you could bring back you would have guys that would help I I agree with Royal in this aspect where you have guys that could hide him if you wanted to play a zone and put Trey Young up top if everybody's blowing past Trey Young. You still got Bam at a bio in the paint. You still got a, one of those switchy wings in the corner, whether it's Ty Smith, who I think is a bum, but he could still rotate a little bit quick, whether it's Jamal Kane, whether it's whatever other undrafted guy that you have or could bring in. You can very easily find an undrafted guy out there in the market who is a great defender, but doesn't provide much else. And the fact that you have Trey Young, who is one of the most lethal offensive threats in the league, I think will allow that to happen. Not only to mention, I think he will improve the offense of the other guys. Obviously, his role with Bam at the bow is very clear. I know Royal talked about that. The pick and roll would be godly, and just his overall ball movement would be crazy. But he would be able to find a Jamal Kane or Highsmith wide open in the corner much better than Tyler Hero can now, for example. So, yeah, you, you're going to bring in some guys who, for defense who suck at offense, but maybe Trey Young can help elevate their offensive side to make them at least playable. So I love the fit. At the end of the day, I think it's irrelevant because the Hawks would never trade him. And I also agree with Harry. The Heat certainly don't have enough. I'd love to see him in a Knicks jersey just for the memes. But as far as the fit, I absolutely love it. I, I do want to quickly jump in there because, like, at, like, I did say that they can hide Trey Young, and I agree that they can. But I disagree that, like, he's going to be a better defender here. <laughs> They're going to find him, okay? Like, we're going to try to hide him. And we're going to do a very good job. We're going to do a better job than most other teams would be able to at hiding him. But they're going to find him. My only point is that Trey Young, for everything that he gives up, he's going to give back on the other end. And that's kind of like what one of my gripes is with Tyler Hero. Like Tyler Hero always gets it on one hand. He doesn't always give it back on the other end. Trey Young's the type of player who's always going to give it back or you, you're going to get it back on offense, whatever you lose on defense. I think that's a fair point too. what Ant was talking about as well, just with it, it. Harry had a good point too, that the heat did kind of leave some battle scars on him from the postseason. But at the same time, having DeJounte Murray there, he is not Trey young has not been great off ball. We saw it in Oklahoma too, in college, he's not great off ball when he's not the one orchestrating. He's struggling. We've seen it this year too. In last night's game against Brooklyn, too, where Kyrie was just going off the rails, man. And then Trey Young, the DeJounte Murray was the one kind of trying to do the offense. That's why Trey didn't really pop off at the end when you expected the Hawks to try to make that comeback, too. But it, it is what it is. And, you know, I thought it was kind of weird that, you know, Pat Riley called in on a 1996 Nokia flip phone. But we're happy to have him on the show. We're happy to have you, man. So before we close, does anyone have anything else they want to talk about or anything else they want to put a bow on? Gabe Vincent, I want to talk about how important he is to this roster and why I believe that he's going to be the person that we end up resigning. I think we're going to trade Max. I, I think that's the one. But out of all the little undrafted guys that we're going to keep, I think Gabe Vincent is going to be the one. I think that might be a solid thing for Miami because he's going to be cheaper than he initially was because of how many games he's missed with the knee issue. Um, and I, I think last night proved that he provides something that this roster sorely needs. Uh, when Kyle Lowry is out, I do not want Tyler Hero playing point guard. I don't care about how much he's improved as a facilitator. Even if he got more assisting Gabe, it's just Gabe's presence last night gave you somebody who can, another person who can create off the dribble. His offensive game is more refined than Vic's has been because Vic has been terrible. 
It's so Vic's been horrible. <laughs> yeah, but Vic's defensive impact is something that we can't ignore. So he's going to be a part of the rotation. I think having Gabe as kind of like a safety net there to give that second unit some kind of facilitation, um, like it's going to be hugely important and it's going to make Miami pay him. We might hate it later, but I think for now, like it in theory, it's a solid idea for them. It also gives you another point of attack defender, which this team needs like crack. Like they, there's no way that they, they can get away with not having – because when you have Kyle out there too, you have the miscommunication that you saw in the Indiana game. If Gabe's in that position, you probably don't. Gabe's probably going to step up. But They had Gabe and uh, Caleb at the top of the 2-3 zone uh, last night versus the Lakers, and it was phenomenal to see like some actual defense being played out there between two guys. Yeah, no, Caleb was having a great time just kind of playing the passing lanes on LeBron in the fourth quarter, too, which was something that I didn't, it wasn't on my 2022 bingo card, but we got it. And it was kind of, it was definitely surreal to see LeBron kind of throwing lackadaisical passes in a game that was relatively close. But no, I, I, I it's been interesting to see the, the kind of 180 that we've had just in the last couple of months on Gabe Vincent, too. I'm glad you brought him up because I completely just forgot about him with everybody we've talked about. He, the dude couldn't buy a bucket for the longest time. He was still playing good defense. But he was basically like Victor Oladipo on offense for the last couple months. And then Gabe has seemingly snapped out of it a little bit. As you would expect, regression to the mean. You want to say you'll see that from Vic too, but I don't know, man. Uh, the, the, off- the offense doesn't look there. I would just like to end this podcast by saying that I don't care how out of whatever seed they are, that stuff – Did we lose Harry? Oh, yeah. He left us on the edge, man. He, he's edging us. What's going on? He had something good to say. I could feel it. He, he left us on a cliffhanger like anime, bro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That means people have to come back for the next episode to find out what he was going to say this time. This is phenomenal. I mean, this is exactly why we do it. Make sure you guys tune in to next week's episode of the Random Scrub Heat podcast presented by The Basement. And you'll hear exactly what Harry had to say. We'll open it. I'll let Harry open the show with this thought before I do our intros next week. How's that sound, everybody? So thank you so much for tuning in. Spend some time with your favorite random scrubs. Take care, everyone. Be good people. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.